0: Coming up on the Keto Camp podcast: How environmental toxins disrupt your health with Jen Maleka.
1: Stress is not just mental, emotional stress that we commonly think of. It is mold in your house potentially, it's toxins in the environment. It's not sleeping through the night or staying up late. It's eating foods that might be inflammatory for your body. It's the metal fillings in your mouth, right? So all these things contribute to this like burden of stress on your body. And typically when we exercise, you know, exercise is a good kind of stress is how we want to think of it. The body responds to build stronger bones and muscles. But when we're in this burdened depleted state and we're exercising intensely it's like you're digging yourself a deeper hole
0: we have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis fasting and carnivore and on the keto camp podcast we are determined to deliver the science to you we bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations Hey Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, host of the Keto Camp Podcast. You can learn more about me over at BenAzadi.com. Today we bring on Jen. You got Jen and you got Ben. She's the holistic health boss and she helps busy health-minded professionals reclaim their health, take control by helping them look at labs, ordering the right labs and identifying hidden causes of inflammation. So you're going to hear about her backstory and she's got quite the backstory from pain to purpose to promise and her health challenges were super scary from skin cancer to other diagnoses and symptoms and what she did to figure things out and why changing her life, improving her health led her to a path of helping so many other people. She says, when nothing seems to work, think mold mold toxicity. I'm going to share my story of being mold poisoned. She's going to share her story. Mold is nasty and everywhere, especially in Florida where I live, and it's really disrupting your health. And she's going to explain how to determine if you have a mold exposure, the most common symptoms you'll see with mold exposure, causing estrogen elevations, weight gain, breast tenderness, acne, and how your pets could actually have symptoms before you do. So pay attention to your pets. We'll get into the body's reaction to stress. And I always talk about stress and hormesis. We're going to deep dive into hormesis because stress is only bad if your body doesn't adapt to the stress. But if your body adapts to the stress, that's beneficial like exercise. So how do you find that hormetic curve, that hormetic balance, if you will? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about acid reflux and how to get rid of it and why she believes what the root cause is, and it's going to surprise you. What's the most accurate test for H. pylori? What is H. pylori and how do you test for it and why you can never really get rid of it, but you want to make sure you have lower levels so it's not creating a problem. We'll get into the liver. You know I love the liver. I call it the soccer mom organ because it does so many things for us, like a soccer mom. And she'll share her favorite tips for supporting the liver on keto. And we'll get into other environmental toxins as well. So I am looking forward to bringing her her on the show in just a couple of minutes. She also has has a free gift for you, which is her toxins checklist. We'll reference that down below. Before I bring her on, let's take a minute to give a shout out to today's podcast rating and review of the day. And here is the review from Fish9584, five-star review. Great info for every level. This podcast is great for anyone to heal their body through real food and fasting. The information here is easily understood and is useful for everyone from the beginner to the pro. The world needs more people in the business for the right reasons. Thanks. Fish, thank you. I am so grateful you are enjoying the show and you're right, it's, it's a show for all levels of health, all levels of keto, beginners to pros, you'll benefit. And we'll continue showing up for you. Thank you for leaving that review. If you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening from, now is the opportunity to do so. It will really help the show grow and make a big difference. We recently wrapped up an incredible Toxins Masterclass. It was a hit. And I shared... On that masterclass that I'm going to be taking a group, a small group, we're capping it at 20 people through a 90-day detox journey. On this 90-day detox journey, it will include all supplements. It'll include testing kits, a test called the MetaOxy test, which is looking at cell membrane inflammation. This is 50 times more accurate than any blood test. And we also have a portal for you to learn True Cellular Detox from Dr. Pompa, Dr. Mindy Pels, other doctors. And you also get four 60-minute coaching calls with me and the other students as I guide you through detox. So we have three spots left for this. And we actually start tomorrow, January 31st. So I hope you're hearing this on time. And if this is something that is resonating with you and you want to take one of those three spots, All you need to do is go to ketocampdetox.com, learn about it. There's an option for one-time payment or monthly payments. We make it easy for you. Again, we have three spots left. The next group will not launch for another four or five months. So this is your opportunity to learn detox and have me teach this to you the right way. So head over to ketocampdetox.com, three spots left, and I hope it's you. All right, let's get to this conversation with Jen. Jen Malaika is the holistic health boss. and she helps busy, health-minded professionals reclaim control of their health by providing them with access to the right lab test, resources, allowing them to find the missing pieces to their health puzzle, actually fix what is wrong, and feel like themselves again. For over a decade, she has been a personal trainer. She is FDN certified, just like me. We love FDN and Reed Davis. She's a transformational coach, and she helps create personalized health rebuilding programs for clients that are realistic and sustainable for long-term results. She empowers clients to be the boss of their health. And here is Jen. Hey, Jen. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Ben. So good to be here with you.
0: Jen and Ben, we're going to have some fun today. (laughs) We were just talking offline. Go yeah,
1: ahead. I'm a double N and you're a single N, right? Have you ever met any double N Ben's before? Because I know a double N. I have N not,
0: but I know they're out there. Uh, I've actually never met, um, well, I have met an, a double N before, but it's not very common. So I like the uniqueness of your name. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were talking offline that our paths have crossed so many times online and we've spoken at and um, attended similar conferences. We never really connected in person. today. And that is so awesome because we're both FDNers. We both love FDN and Reed Davis and all the things they do. And uh, we're going to have a great conversation because I believe your story is so relatable to people that might be going through something similar. So why don't we start there? Pain to Purpose is your story like so many people in our space. So let's rewind to the early days when you had so many health challenges. What led up to that? And what are what were some of your findings as you started to uncover those symptoms that were manifesting?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was really frustrating because I've always kind of considered myself to be a health minded person. I mean, growing up, for example, we had a garden where we grew our own vegetables. And my dad would get up and go running in the morning. And when I was in kindergarten, I would hop on my bike and go bike while he was running at like 430 in the morning. And I've always just been physically active. And Eaten like a very nutritional like diet, I would say. Like my parents were not really into processed foods a ton. We always had like, you know, a protein, a starch and a vegetable on our plate that was, it was pretty clean for the most part. And uh, when I went to college, I was so fascinated and interested in the concepts of health that I actually majored in kinesiology, which is the study of the human body and had an emphasis in fitness, nutrition and health overall. So like I took all the biology classes, physiology, nutrition and all that stuff and honestly thought I knew that there everything that there was to know about being healthy. And that was all flipped upside down for me as I actually went through college and started accumulating different health issues over time. Like looking back now, I realized that I was struggling with things like chronic fatigue. I didn't know what to call it at that point in time because I just felt exhausted all the time. And when you're a college kid, you just think that you're exhausted from your schoolwork and, you know, having a part time job. And I was doing an internship and all the things. But um, now, in that reflection, I can recognize like, oh, you know, my adrenals were probably tanked, and I had thyroid imbalances and all kinds of stuff going on. That that was probably more of like chronic fatigue of what I was experiencing. And I also started to develop really severe seasonal allergies in college, which was the thing that kind of struck me initially is like really abnormal because I had grown up in Northern California around farm fields where pollen and all that stuff is super high. And then I went to college in San Diego, which is by the coast. So you know, not as much pollen and all this stuff in the air. And in San Diego is where I really started to develop these really severe seasonal allergies that would manifest into like ear infections and like just totally wipe me out over time. But the real kicker, Ben, was when I was diagnosed with skin cancer at the age of 24, approximately. And there was no rhyme or reason to it. Like I had no family history of any related cancers, like the dermatologist doctors couldn't explain it. And at that point I was already experiencing this like, you know, scenario of going to the doctor being told that everything looked perfect on paper, like my cholesterol, my blood work, all the typical markers. Like the doctors would literally tell me like, oh, you're the picture of perfect health. I wish wish all my patients were like you. You exercise, you eat healthy. But like, I didn't feel that way. I was really like starting to struggle with some things. When I, my first career was in the fitness industry after getting out of college, I was a personal trainer and then moved up in management in a big, you know, um, global like, fitness company. And I was really struggling as a trainer, like I was drinking a double Americano every afternoon, just to keep my eyes open when I was, you know, training clients, and it was really starting to wear on me. But the skin cancer thing was like this light bulb moment of okay, there's something like Deeper, that's wrong here. And um, I'm I'm sure you know Sean Croxton. He's our path too. Um, Sean Croxton's been like a great mentor to me along the way. I actually met him in college and that's how I got into personal training.
0: Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. That's really cool.
1: It was really funny. Like my last semester, I was trying to figure out like what my career was going to be. And one of the classes that I had, we had to go do like an internship. And so I picked the gym at San Diego state to intern at and shadowed him as a personal trainer. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Like I could be a personal trainer. You can really make a living doing that. So that's how I got into it. And then of course, Sean got into being, uh, got into functional diagnostic nutrition. And I heard him do a webinar with Reed Davis and it was like, all the pieces just fell into place. Like, you know, listening to Reed talk about the physiological aspects of the body was so insightful to me. I was like, I took physiology and nobody talked about like adrenals and hormone balance and how that interacts with the gut and how that, you know, interacts with detoxification and all these things. And so I immediately dove into the FDN training. And as part of that training, as you know, like we have to run some of the tests on ourselves. To experience it, it's like the practical exercise piece of it. And those tests revealed (laughs) like all kinds of hormonal imbalance. I had really high oxidative stress and a very congested liver, which are, you know, two huge components that will lead to things like damaged DNA cells and cancer, essentially. So I was like, oh, (laughs) this is what's going on. Like there's a bunch of metabolic chaos going on in my body, regardless of quote unquote, doing all the right things. And so luckily, I was able to like get my hands on those pieces of my health puzzle, you know, change my lifestyle, reverse things. And here I am with you today over 10 years later, almost 15 at this point, um, and have been skin cancer free, like ever since. And I go out in the sun all the time. I live in San Diego. I love to vacation in sunny tropical places. I am not like crazy about wearing sunscreen. And so it's just proof in the pudding that like your lifestyle is what dictates the outcomes of your health, essentially, you know?
0: What a story. Yeah, I, I love it because you're right. It's not the sun that, that was the problem there that caused the skin cancer. It was the terrain, it was what was going on underneath. So saying that, you know, the sun is bad for you it causes skin cancer or saying exercise is bad for you is too much of a stress or. I hear people say fasting is too bad for you because it's, it's bad, it's a stress. It's not really the stress, it's how your body adapts to it. And you were not adapting because your body, your stress bucket was so full. But I'm I'm curious because you lived a fairly healthy life growing up. You mentioned it, you know, you ate pretty clean, unprocessed foods. What were some of the major contributing factors that led to that diagnosis and all, you know, the chronic fatigue and all the symptoms you were having, the oxidative stress, the liver congestion? What were those major findings?
1: yeah i mean it's it's so interesting to reflect back and you can start to string together all the pieces of the puzzle and like when i work with clients in the beginning we will go through a process of actually starting all the way at the point of birth because whatever you're experiencing right now in your health or at any point in time is an accumulation of things that have happened over your lifetime and even when we're in the womb whatever our parents are being exposed to we absorb a lot of those things right so I when I look back at my story, there was clues early on that I had, you know, some metabolic chaos going on inside my body. Like when I started my menstrual cycle, I had painful irregular periods from the beginning.
0: Is that that why they put you on a birth control pill?
1: Exactly. So like, that's the answer that everybody gets. And so I was on birth control for 17 years. Wow, which, you know, we know now like totally disrupts the HPA access and hormone balance and all those things, not to mention the toxins and the burden that it has on the liver and the GI tract, the digestive system. So that's probably a big piece of the puzzle for me. You know, even though we ate like clean in the sense that it wasn't processed foods. We weren't exactly eating organic. So it wasn't organic chicken, organic vegetables. I mean, we grew them in our own yard, but who knows what was in the soil there Um, having grown up you know, in Northern California around farm fields, I was probably exposed to like pesticides and herbicides. Also looking back, like in the housing track that we were in growing up, there was huge power lines and things that were running through that space. So probably a lot of like EMF load or radiation type of stuff going on. And also, you know, trauma is a big piece of the puzzle, I would say for most people, and definitely myself as well. Like my parents decided to split when I was in second grade approximately. And it was a pretty rough divorce and separation. And my mom also then kind of progressed into becoming an alcoholic, and she actually died of alcoholism. So that was very traumatic and stressful for a long period of my life that, you know, probably burdened my body created that internal stress that we talk about. And so how old were
0: you? when your mom passed?
1: Um, She passed in 2016, Mm. at the age of 60. And that was this, so like, she had actually been diagnosed as being terminally ill a few years before that because of liver failure, went into hospice, actually started seeing a liver specialist, got better, was sober for a while and then relapsed, and so it was kind of this like stop and go, you know, trauma that was happening for like quite a period of time. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's tough. Um, yeah, so you're you're pretty much explaining uh, like the perfect storm, and that's typically what happens. And you know that you work with so many clients, and it's not one thing. That's going to send you overboard. It's a combination of a lot of things, which is this perfect storm. Was mold a part of this story at all? Did you have any mold exposure?
1: Yeah. So mold is like the second stage of my health journey, and you know, as I tell clients, like even though we do all the things, like if you, like I got to a place I was skin cancer free, I was doing all the things, like life still happens, right? We can't predict things like water damage happening to our house which is what eventually happened to me so i you know went through fdn like got my health back on track was feeling amazing like hit you know 30 i was at my best weight looking and feeling great got married that year and then during that time also transitioned like kind of out of corporate working in the corporate world into being an entrepreneur an fdn practitioner starting my business and working from home full time. And a couple years, like about two years after working from home, my health started to go off the rails again. Like I just had really random stuff. Like I started, I I gained about 15 pounds slowly over the course of two years, which is really hard, you know, for people to like see as a problem when it happens so slowly, you know? And I was like kind of ignoring it, trying to like, oh, I just need to exercise harder or get cleaner. Like, maybe I'm not being as like, you know, particular about my diet. Maybe I need more detox supplements. So I was like trying to do all the things still again. And then it eventually got to the point that it wasn't just my weight. Like I started having cystic acne and like, I never had acne in my entire life. Um, not even going through puberty, puberty uh, as a younger person. And also just having like, even though I was on the birth control pill, I was having breakthrough periods. And I was like, this is weird. Like what's going on and having really like a lot of uh, breast tenderness happening too. So, you know, it's so interesting. We've been conditioned to think like we need to go to the experts and look externally for, for answers. And I was still kind of caught up in that some of that conditioning, even though I was an FDN practitioner. So I, started seeking out like all the local, like women's health specialists, like went and saw some of the top doctors here in San Diego and nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. Again, here I was in this place. I literally, you'll get a kick out of this, Ben. I had one doctor I went to and she was like, well, maybe you've just put on 15 pounds of muscle. And I was like, (laughs) do you understand how hard it is for women to like gain muscle? I mean, you know, in my earlier years in my twenties, I actually used to do fitness competitions, and even with a super strict like training routine and diet yeah. regimen, I was lucky if over the course of like eight weeks, I gained like two pounds of muscle. You know, yeah. so I'm like 15- you would
0: know if you put on fifteen pounds of muscle because you would be working your ass off, even for a guy. <laughs> do
1: I look like a bodybuilder? I don't <laughs> think so. Um, And I was just like, so disappointed by that, you know, like, and they're like, well, maybe we'll just keep an eye on it. And here I am thinking, I've had skin cancer before. Like, what if this is breast cancer? Like, what is happening? So I, you know, I'm really into like spirituality and the, and, you know, the divine interventions of the universe sometimes. And I was like, literally at my wits end, and just like praying for an answer. And literally like I was sitting at my desk one day and I opened up the closet next to me to get some materials out to ship to a client and look up. And they're like, the whole ceiling of the closet was like black, like there was just oh a black gosh. mold Ugh. and it made sense. Like actually what was really fascinating about the story is our black lab started having really severe digestive issues before, like as progressively as like I was starting to have health issues. Well, if anybody's ever had a lab, or most dogs, they're by your side all day long. So here right. I was working from home at my little makeshift office in our guest room, sitting next to this moldy closet for hours and days on end. Like, and my poor dog was in there with me all the time too. And it was impacting him as well.
0: Like what symptoms were your was your dog having? You said digestive symptoms, but what were they exactly?
1: Oh God. I mean, he had so many. It's actually years later, what he passed away from because we could never get him back to like normal. But in the beginning, he had what did they call it? It was like protein losing enteropathy. So he dropped like eight pounds over the course of, I don't know, like six weeks or something. Because so he basically like This condition was like he wasn't able to absorb nutrients through the GI tract, essentially. So, we actually had to put him on a course of some really high, like anti inflammatory, like corticosteroids. I forget what we put him on um, exactly in the beginning because it was quite a while ago. And, like, we worked with a holistic vet, and she was like, you know, we know that we're, we both are kind of like averse to. Medications like that, unless there, but there is a place in time for them. She's like, he's going to die if we don't put him on steroids, like right now. Oh my god! So it saved his life. We got him. Kind of,
0: How old was he at that time?
1: I'm trying to think back of. Yeah, so we got married in 2013. So this was somewhere, probably. I think we discovered the mold in uh, maybe like 2000 somewhere between 2014, 2016. So it was a while
0: ago. The reason I ask, by the way, the reason I'm asking is because I have a similar situation or I had a similar situation where I had lived in a moldy home, had a dog, he started getting really fatigued. But also for the audience, to, if you see your pets like kind of having symptoms, it could be a, a clue that there's some environmental things going on. It might happen to them before it happens to yeah. you. Yeah,
1: It's like the canary in the coal mine exactly. situation. yeah. Totally. So looking back on it now, I'm like, oh my God. So I'm with our cat, our animals that we have now, we have another dog and we have two cats. I'm like, anything that's going on with them, I'm like, is this a sign? Like, what do I need to be paying attention to? But so we got him, he kind of got back on track. And then he had symptoms of like SIBO stuff. He was sensitive to all kinds of foods. I mean, Ben, like I ran all of our FDN tests on him. He did, we did an HTMA test, we did GI maps on him. There's like, a variety of different like food sensitivity testing for dogs so we were doing that doing food rotations cooking all his food at home eating he was getting all organic all the things and um eventually what happened with him is that he had what they call bloat basically it happens in larger breed dogs very common and say like especially larger breed dogs have larger chest cavities so like german shepherds for example and a lot of german shepherd puppies They will proactively um, when they're younger, like laparoscopically, like staple their stomachs to their side so their stomach doesn't flip because that's what happens with bloat. So he had an instance that after we kind of recovered him from the protein losing enteropathy thing, a year or so later, he had a stomach flip stabled his stomach to the side, we were good for a while. And then eventually, um, it flipped again. And it, then it flipped like multiple times over the course of like a short period of time to the point where like his intestines were rotating. We never could figure it out. Like I, it was putting like trying to think of everything. I, th- I think it was really hard to tell, but I think that he had a, like intuitively my sense was that he had a, version of SIBO where there was probably a leaky valve. You know, when we have that kind of inflammation over time, the elasticity of the tissues and everything starts to, we lose some of that elasticity. And I think that he had a leaky valve that was going on because what was happening is that his stomach and his intestines would just blow up with like gas, essentially air, and they couldn't figure out why. And then from the pressure of the air coming into the intestines and the stomach, it would cause it to flip. So like, yeah, it was like a really long kind of sad story. But he taught so much.
0: Yeah, that's that's for you. That's an emotional stress plus the mold, phys- you know, physical stress. So that that had to have an impact on your health.
1: I mean, yeah, big time. It's like the mold. So getting back to like the mold and everything with me is that you know looking at that and the symptoms that I was having, like the cystic acne, the weight gain, the breast tenderness. Was all like, or you know, correlated really strongly with estrogen dominance. So, mold can like cause elevations of estrogen in the body, basically, and also because it's blocking detox pathways. You can't move that estrogen out. Those types of things then triggered thyroid imbalances, Hashimoto's. So, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, but you know, with everything that we know as FDNs and working in the functional world, I was able to like reverse that Hashimoto's within six months, essentially, and have been able to keep it under control naturally without medications and everything like that. So even though we encounter, you know, these obstacles throughout life, like we can't predict something like we said earlier, like mold, there is an opportunity to overcome it, you know, and get back to feeling like your best self. And so That's where I'm at today. And who knows, maybe there's more in my future, but I have the tools to get through whatever that might be, basically.
0: Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, this is the best thing I've ever tasted? If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised, to make you think they're high quality, are often finished on grain or in factory farms. Which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part, this may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed, their pork and poultry are pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store, resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance, Natasha, loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small, family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. No matter where you are in the lower 48 states, Wild Pastures has got you covered. Not only is this the most convenient way to get your meat products, but Wild Pasture meats are better for you nutritionally, and they're higher in the total nutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, key fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, proteins, and amino acids. And today... For keto campers, for a limited time, you can get 20% off every box plus free shipping for life and $15 off your first box. This is a crazy deal and I hope you take advantage of it. So Make the switch to Wild Pastures today and save nearly $1,000 on your grocery bill while feeling healthier and enjoying the best tasting meats of your life. All you need to do is go to the link in the podcast notes down below. Everything is already applied. All you got to do is click that link, customize your order, and you'll have some delicious, healthy-tasting meats very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below. Click the link. Enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. Mold is a hidden problem for a lot of people, especially... I live in Florida. You could imagine the amount of people that are... Sick in Florida from mold, and it was my story too. 2015, very similar to you. I had mold in my home, and I was there working from home. My dog was working, you know, not working from home, but he was there every day.
1: I mean, he was working.
0: Yeah, I guess he was working. (laughs) And he started to get. I noticed he was like fatigued. He wouldn't want to go on long walks anymore. I'm like, what's going on? He was only like five years old. I mean, he's still alive now. He's sleeping right here. He's great now. But back then, it was like he's five years old and. Why is he getting tired, and then I'm getting tired, and like you, I was also I, I was doing personal training at that time, and I had a CrossFit gym at that time, and I was doing the espresso shots too. Very similar story. I was like trying to stay awake as I would drive clients on the highway, and I I figured out for me it was two things. I had eight silver fillings in my mouth that were leaching mercury into the brain, and then I lived in a moldy home. So number one, biological dentist removed the fillings, did detox to get the metals out. Number two, we remedi- remediated, but I was still uncomfortable being there. I ended up just selling the house and getting out of that environment. And that's what make, makes mold like one of the nastiest things to deal with. It's one of my, if I had to deal with like diabetes, okay, we could take care of that pretty easy to take care and reverse type 2 diabetes. Heavy metals, we could detox you, but mold is so nasty. And sometimes people have to leave their environment. Isn't it just a nasty thing to deal with?
1: It's really hard. And since that initial mold finding, we've actually, like, we went through a process of remodeling our home. And when they remodeled our kitchen, they didn't, like, seal one of the pipes correctly. So then we had a leak in the kitchen and we had to break through a lot of, like, the beautiful kitchen that we just remodeled. And then even somewhat recently, like, we found some mold outside of my office here from, like, the watering system and the plants. And it's just, it's stuff that you don't tend to think about necessarily. And the hard part about it is, is that one, if you're a renter, There's no regulations like laws, really, that I know of, at least unless anything has happened new, that regulate how landlords have to address water damage. We have things, I mean, think about all the hurricanes that we've had, especially on your side of the states, right? And like all the water damage that happens with that. And there's just not a lot of great information out there. And the the thing with mold also is that it is amplified by EMFs. And we live in a modern day world where we are surrounded by EMFs. And so when you've got mold in the home, EMFs amplify the growth of mold within the home or the environment, and they also amplify the growth and proliferation of mold in the body as well too. So that's been, I don't know if you've actually done work in that area, but I've worked with some specialists to come out and evaluate you know, radiation, body load of EMFs and all that thing, all that stuff in our home and in my office to help my body detox and get rid of the mold and recover from those exposures that we've had over time.
0: I love that you do that. Yeah, absolutely, I do. And and I have found that when we start to get into these conversations, and I love these type of conversations because it's not just about nutrition. Me and Jen both agree, diet and exercise alone is not going to get you well in this day and age. But what I've come to find is that when we get deep into these conversations, people start to like... There's a group of people that start to feel really overwhelmed and they start to think... There's no way I could get healthy with all these things going on. But I want to reassure you that the human body is so incredibly strong. And think about all the hits that Jen has taken and all the hits I've taken and the body still goes. So just identify some of the interference and start knocking it away. And I want you you to kind of expand upon that for those who might be listening or watching and they're just like, I'm just, I give up. There's no way I could get healthy with all these things they're mentioning. What would you tell that person?
1: Uh, it's just starting like, you know, with one thing at a time. And let's just like take a second here to talk about the exercise piece of this. Because I when I didn't know that you had a personal training background, like I didn't necessarily. Um, so funny, again, our paths. But I'm curious with you, like, you know, from that exercise standpoint, having gone through something like mold, like looking back, one of the things, the symptoms that I was experiencing was not recovering well from my workouts, right? Like one of the things that I'm a runner, I love to lift and I love to run. And when I was going out running, my legs just felt like dead weights. Like it was so hard to run, but I didn't know that I had the mold stuff going on. And I just thought that I was gaining weight because I wasn't being compliant, you know, enough with my exercise routine or I wasn't working hard enough, right? So what's interesting is that mold actually like part of that experience is because mold affects your circulation and specifically the capillaries at the surface point um, to help flush out like lactic acid and that kind of stuff. So that's where those like lead weights, like my legs feeling like lead weights uh, came from.
0: That's interesting. I didn't know that. That makes a lot of sense. Right? Though.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every standpoint. But here's the thing is that this is actually like exercise intensity when I work with clients, is actually one of the first things that we dial back. Because the hard part is, is that especially if you come up in the fitness industry or you're a fitness fanatic like you and I have been, is that you just think harder is better, more is better. It feels good to work out. So many people that I talk to, I go, what do you do daily to de-stress? they're like, well, I exercise. So we utilize exercise in this, like all these very specific ways. And the reality is, is that... What I had to learn to understand and embrace is that when your body is experiencing a load of stress and we have to redefine what stress is, stress is not just mental, emotional stress that we commonly think of. It is mold in your house, potentially. It's toxins in the environment. It's not sleeping through the night or staying up late. It's eating foods that might be inflammatory for your body, it's the metal fillings in your mouth, right? So all these things contribute to this like, burden of stress on your body. And typically, when we exercise, you know, exercise is a good kind of stress is how we want to think of it, the body responds to build stronger bones and muscles. But when we're in this burdened, depleted state, and we're exercising intensely, it's like you're digging yourself a deeper hole, because your body doesn't actually have the resources available to rebuild the bones and the tissues and all the things to create strength you're just adding extra stress onto the the platform basically so like part of my recovery process and part of the rebalancing for my clients has been you know actually toning down cutting back the exercise intensity focusing on more restorative types of movements for a period of time to lift some of that burden on the body and then once it gets into a better state of balance, now we can bring back the exercise intensity and get into that stuff that you really love doing, like lifting or running or whatever it might be.
0: That's brilliant. I mean, that's, that's what it's about. What you're referring to is hormesis, right? It's like uh, staying in this hormetic ceiling and a small stress that you adapt to is great. Your body gets stronger. But if your stress bucket is so filled up with chemical stress, emotional stress, and physical stressors, all the ones you mentioned and others that are out there, then just doing a 30-minute HIIT workout or even a 60-minute CrossFit workout. I want to talk about a tough workout. That Your body is not going to adapt to that. And I had the same challenge. I would be sore for days and I'm, I'm thinking, what's going on? I, you know, I'm training consistently. It's not like I take a week off and then I train, but my mitochondria was not adapting and it makes sense with the circulation of the lactic acid. I didn't know that. So it was like, ding, ding, ding. But I remember, Jen, this is when I didn't know that I had mold in my home and I was living there, but I did Murph. Are you familiar with Murph, that CrossFit workout yeah. at all? <laughs> yeah. So if I remember correctly, it's uh, I think it's one mile run and then 100 pull-ups, 100 push-ups, and then, no, 200 push-ups and then 300 squats and then another mile run, something like that. I might be off a little bit. So I remember doing it on Memorial Day because that's when we used to do it. And I got home that day, we, I did it in the morning. I was out of it for three days. I had brain fog. I was so sore. I couldn't even move. I was essentially out of it. And you know, in the past, I was able to adapt to that. But it's like I pushed myself too much. And that was a stupid thing to do. So I love that your mindset is not add things, but let's remove things and then go from there. Mm-hmm. So that's a great, great tip.
1: Yeah. And especially... If you are not sleeping through the night or getting good quality sleep and not sleeping according to your circadian rhythm, like that's going to help you have the reserves in order to do the exercise. It's going to help. That's where we were. That's our recovery time. So we have to fix that <laughs> before we just like dive into the exercise, which is the opposite of what most people think or do, right? Like, I think we're, we're recording this right before the holidays. Like think of how many people through the holidays are staying up late They're indulging in foods. And the mindset is, I got to go like burn it off at the gym the next day.
0: Or I'll start on January 1st. I'll do whatever damage I can do right now. It doesn't matter. I'll start January 1st, right?
1: (laughs) It was totally depleted state. And now you're going to go like run yourself into the ground at the gym, which is exactly what I used to do. Totally guilty of it. you know. And this was was like when I said that I would reverse my Hashimoto's in six months, dialing back the exercise intensity was actually... A really big part of that. Like when I got that diagnosis of Hashimoto's, I immediately went to like an AIP diet. I altered some of my supplements. I bumped up my detox stuff, like working all the all these things, but my I kept my exercise intensity the same. And I was making like marginal progress, but I wasn't really making leaps and bounds. And that's when I had to shift my mindset around exercise and give myself permission to do lower intensity, more restorative style of exercise. So I committed to 30 days of just walking and yoga. And when I did that, the pounds started falling off and I made more leaps and bounds in the healing process.
0: I love that. It's such a valuable tip. And you're right, most people don't teach that, especially these fitness pros. They're just like, just a matter of eating less and moving more. You're a glutton. You got to just move your body. And that does not work. Maybe it worked 30 years ago, but there's too many factors right now. Hormones are what really matters, not calories. Uh, So, what do you use to track that? I know you have, I see you have an aura ring on. I have one too. Would that be a good gauge? Like, do you use that? Or, like, do you use HRV looking at their deep sleep? What are some things, some metrics, not just how you feel, which is very important, but what are some things we could uh, look at, like, numbers wise to see, okay, today might be a good day that maybe I could push myself a little bit versus I should kind of just do more of a stretching and foam rolling?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that devices are great tools to get some of that biofeedback to, to create consciousness and awareness around what's going on with your body because all of us are kind of moving through life on autopilot or with this conditioning going on about what we think is healthier, you know, trying to keep up with the rat race of what everybody else is doing. So devices have been really helpful for me. And the Aura Ring is something that I definitely love. Um, I think it was probably one of my first you know, biohacking type of devices, <laughs> in a sense, I like to look at it like it gives you this readiness score in the morning time, which I equate to like, it's your gas tank. So all the input from the day before, and all the work that you did and in, court, including your sleep and everything, like how full is your tank every morning when you get up so you can look at that readiness score and go, Oh, I'm operating with a full tank like based on yesterday's activities and last night's sleep. So I can, yeah, maybe go a little bit harder today versus if that readiness score is on the lower side, you're maybe operating with like half a tank or three quarters of a tank. So you need to go a little bit easy on yourself, right? Getting some of those insights about sleep. Like, are you consistently sleeping through the night? Are you Do you have disrupted sleep? Like what time are you going to bed? Super helpful information. Um, I also really like doing like spot on in the morning, like my morning HRV. So I have one of the polar chest straps. Um, I use an app called Elite HRV, which I think can connect with a variety of different HRV um, devices. So I always check in on that. It gives you on a scale of one to 10 what your HRV is. And it will tell you specifically based on your number if you're more sympathetic, so stressed, Or if you're more parasympathetic, like in a deep recovery. So it's really interesting, like when I, you know, work with my trainer and we do like the day before, if I do more Olympic lifting type of stuff, then the next day, like I can trend sometimes with an HRV that's more parasympathetic, which means that I'm in a deeper recovery mode, basically. Or recognizing like if I'm more sympathetic, that I'm in like this stress state, which tends to more correlate with like just... Work stress, stress in my life, like what's going on essentially. And so it's great input to bring that awareness. And the thing that I say all the time, and and we kind of say this as FDNs too, is like any test is a snapshot in time, right? So I say, like with the devices, yes, utilize them to bring awareness, just like we use functional lab tests to bring awareness. And at the same time, you need to correlate it back to the person because. There have been instances when my aura ring or my HRV score reading tells me that I look like a champ in the morning, like I look like a 10, but I actually don't feel that way. So I gotta like check in with myself and those are the days that I'll decide to go for like a nice long walk with the dog or like do some kind of different exercise, not hit the gym really hard. Or, you know, the reverse, like they'll come back looking like really crappy and maybe I feel great, right? But either way, it's like this pinpoint in time that's bringing my awareness into my body so that I can make a choice, a conscious choice about what actions I'm going to take for that day.
0: Yeah, well, well said. I, I agree. There's so many benefits to using these tools like an Oura Ring or HRV or a continuous glucose monitor, all these amazing biohacking devices, if we want to call them that, and I think they are. But you don't want that to be the only piece that you want to pay attention to. It's also how you feel. Same thing with like you just said, some some days I wake up and I'm like, man, I feel really good. And then I go, I put my aura ring on my little stand to, because I always have it on airplane mode. And then I go look at my score. I'm like, damn, that's a bad score, but I feel good. <laughs> so am I going to let this determine how I feel today or am I going to listen to myself? Or it's the opposite way. So I love that. It's so important. And that goes with lab work too. You're not treating paper. You're putting all the pieces together. Hey, Keto Camper, what if there was an easy way to help detoxify your body, ease stress, unwind, and hey, even burn more calories? What I'm talking about is sauna usage. Now, there's a lot of studies that show the benefits of using a sauna, and it could be kind of complicated because they're expensive, and typically you have to go to a facility to use a sauna. What I love about my sauna is that it's a blanket that I use at the comfort of my own home. I use the one from Bond Charge, and sauna blankets work by raising your heart rate to that of physical exercise, so you burn calories while you're relaxing, and you could burn up to 600 calories in one session. Sweating also helps flush out toxins like heavy metals from your body, and elevating your heart rate while relaxing releases endorphins, which can leave you feeling euphoric. I feel like I just got a 60-minute massage when I get out of this thing. It works by using infrared light, which heats the body directly, rather than the air around you like a traditional sauna. This means you get the same benefits at a lower heat. You also don't need to have your head in the heat like a traditional sauna. It's very easy to use. You can enjoy a session of 30 to 45 minutes while relaxing, reading, watching TV, or meditating. It's easy to clean. It's low EMF, especially compared to other brands out there. Simple and easy to get set up. And even more important, you keto camper are offered a nice coupon code for Bond Charges products, including their infrared sauna blanket. So head over to bondcharge.com/ketocamp and use the coupon code ketocamp at checkout to get 15% off your order. We'll drop that link down below along with the coupon code. In the podcast notes. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. And I want to transition the conversation to one of the most common questions that I get, which is about acid reflux, but we'll relate it to the whole conversation on digestion, but we'll start with acid reflux. Why exactly? Does this occur? You know, there's most people think it's you have too much acid. So we need to kind of block, we need to taper that down. But what what is the root cause of acid reflux and what can we do to overcome it?
1: Yeah. I would say, you know, it depends on the person. So there are, I've seen having worked with hundreds of clients at this point in time, I would say that the number one most common correlation that I see with acid reflux is an H. pylori bacteria overgrowth going on in the head, which is really interesting because H. pylori itself, it like eats up stomach acid. So it actually lowers your stomach acid, which then you have this acid reflux because it's the digestive system trying to respond and digest food, produce that acid reflux. But what is the, you know, if you go through co- like traditional medicine, conventional systems, they're going to say, oh, acid reflux, you need an anti-acid, right? Like a Prilosec or whatever it is that they prescribe. It's like the opposite of what you actually need. And so people will get some relief from that. in the beginning has been my experience. And then over time, it builds back up basically because we're, we're just perpetrating the problem essentially. So I find that when clients really address that H. pylori bacteria overgrowth, get rid of that, then the digestive system and the stomach acid can normalize, that goes away. Um, And then the other thing that I see it highly correlate with is eating inflammatory foods, specifically things like gluten and dairy or grains in general, um, soy, sugars, that type of stuff. Like my father-in-law is like a great example of this, is he's you know struggled with acid reflux basically his whole life, was on those antacids. We did testing and work together. He had H. pylori bacteria overgrowth. We addressed it, acid reflux went away. And now the only time when he Experiences any time of like indigestion, it's because he ate something that he shouldn't have, (laughs) like some gluten or something like that. You know?
0: And, And that's a and that's good that his body gets a symptom. It's like the body showing you the innate intelligence, it's your check engine light. So thank God we have that, but we don't mask it. That's the problem to your point, Jen. It's like somebody's been eating gluten seed oils and cow pasteurized cow dairy for months and months and months, and they they have acid reflux, they go to their doctor. The doctor doesn't ask. Typically, what are you eating? Like these, probably are contributing to that. They'll just write the antacid prescription, or they'll go and get some tums. But that's not just getting to the cause. That's just masking the the check engine light.
1: Exactly. It's just a band aid, like as usual.
0: <laughs> as usual. So you said too much H. Pylori is one of the causes, one of the main causes you've seen of, of acid reflux. I would agree with that. I had, I also had um, an abundance of H. Pylori that I, that I discovered through FDN actually when I was doing testing. And maybe you could talk a little bit more about H. pylori because it's not something we're ever going to or want to get rid of completely. But when it's too much, like kind of like candida, that's when it's problematic. Could you explain a little bit more?
1: Yeah, I would say that it is a primary bacterial overgrowth that I see in most people that I work with. Um, It's exchanged via saliva. So we're constantly like, especially if you have partners in your life, you're like swapping it back and forth, kids, whatnot. And, but to your point, Ben, is like, you know in the natural ecosystem of our digestive system we have all kinds of bacteria in there we have good guys and we have bad guys but the ideal scenario is that we keep the good you know the good bacteria abundant and we keep the bad bacteria low and the good bacteria like your probiotic type of strains helps to balance everything and keep it under control your immune system helps with that your lifestyle helps with that and so when these quote unquote, bad bacteria, as we're just going to label them as that, start to overgrow is when they can really become a problem because they do, you know, produce toxic, you know, elements in the body. They produce like stress and inflammation or something like H. pylori, like we just talked about. It actually disrupts the balance of stomach acid, which reduces your ability to digest, nutrients and foods as optimally as possible so now we get into this like nutrient depleted stage and then it's this vicious cycle that just has this cascade or domino effect going on like in the gut and because of because i work with a lot of people that have had thyroid stuff and Hashimoto's specifically um isabella wentz has some really great work on this about you know these really high correlations with instances of h pylori with hashimoto's specifically. Um, and it makes sense when we look at the autoimmune structure of, you know, an autoimmune expression in the body is a result of having a leaky gut. So some type of digestive dysfunction, inflammation stuff that's going on, also having a genetic factor and then a trigger, which triggers could be environmental toxins, it can be gluten, all kinds of things can be triggers, essentially. So it makes sense that like H. pylori is one of those common bacteria that we will see with people. And It's interesting too, that I've seen, I work with um, busy, like health-minded professionals. So usually people that have really busy lives, they travel, you know, quite a bit, they have higher stress jobs. And so H. pylori, I see it in them quite a bit because of that stressful type of lifestyle that they lead in a way. And I mean, my husband is a great example of this. Like he had to go through three different H. pylori protocols to actually clear it. And part of the Challenge that he was having with that was because of like his work schedule and all the travel and all the historical factors leading up to this, you know, environment within his digestive system that he had to work on healing, essentially, right? So going back to that concept of like, you know, it's not just this instant right now that this is happening in your body; it's been something that's been accumulating over time. Like our mentor Reed always says uh, with FDN, he says like, "What makes you a good host for?" thing like those gut bugs. like You've got to look at the bigger picture and all the contributing factors of what makes you a good host.
0: So true. They're opportunistic, right? And so let's talk about the different ways to test H. pylori because here's what a couple people might be thinking, oh, I've done an endoscopy and they didn't find any H. pylori. So let's talk about the flaws of testing and your favorite ways to test for H. pylori.
1: Yeah. So again, going back to what we said earlier is that Test is any snapshot in time, right? So just when you're catching it, whenever you're doing any type of test, like we have to take that in consideration. But as we mentioned earlier, you also have to correlate lab tests back to a person. And there's different approaches to testing, just like we have like with hormone tests, we can do saliva tests, we can do urine tests, we can do blood tests. And all of them can help us find pieces of the puzzle, but there's not necessarily going to be one test that is does it all or that is superior to the others right so if you're getting an endoscopy or if you're doing they'll do H pylori breath testing and you're getting negatives from those tests but you're still experiencing symptoms that highly correlate with something like H pylori then you've got to keep going down the line of tests and i like to start with a stool sample test like i love the diagnostic solutions their GI map test which is a PCR type of test. So it's looking for genetic data, basically. So we can pick up on like, as the shedding happens of the bacteria, it's coming through the stool. So some of those, like an endoscopy is only going to go so far.
0: Yeah, it's like a a bucket in a body of water to see if you collect up like worms or fish. It's like, maybe you get it, you don't.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Versus like stool is kind of moving through the whole system. So collecting it at some point in time And I also talk about how there's layers of stuff going on in the gut. So that first stool sample test, we might just be scraping what's on the surface and maybe H. pylori doesn't come up, but there's correlating symptoms. So I'll take clients through like a a cleaning, like a gut cleansing protocol, clean up some stuff, retest, and then we might see the H. pylori surface. Right, so this is where, as FDNs, we're kind of trained in this, you know, to look through this specific lens and understand like what's going on with the body and correlating it back to the person and and being these detectives in this kind of way. So, you know, I, I guess the the takeaway here, based on how you're feeling, goes back to what we were talking about. Like you know your body better than anybody does, and just because a lab test a certain type of lab test comes back and says something is negative doesn't mean that that's the absolute truth. You have to correlate it back to yourself and keep searching if that doesn't feel right for you, basically.
0: Well said. I mean, it could take years before the test will catch up to what you're dealing with or have been dealing with, right? Autoimmune could take many, many years. Type 2 diabetes, you could have insulin resistance for 10, 20 years before you get your A1C. Changing to a point where it's a diagnosis for type two diabetes. So yes, that is so important. The the final thing I want to kind of close, land the plane with here with you is uh, the liver. Uh, the, I call it the soccer mom organ because it does everything for us. <laughs> what
1: <laughs> <scary> what,
0: <laughs> what what role? Like what? How important is the liver, and why is liver health just in decline? And what are some really practical things we can do to support the liver?
1: Yeah. So I think the liver is probably one of, if not the most important organ in some ways, like if we were to say prioritize, i focusing on one thing, like we got back to that concept of some people feeling overwhelmed by this discussion and going, okay, where do you, where can you focus your energy? I think it's the liver is probably one thing that I, the one that I would pick. And I think a lot of people would pick the gut, which is also a very important facet of our health, but ultimately the liver helps to filter things out from getting into the gut in this way, right? Like toxins and all that stuff. And so I think it is, it is grossly overlooked in a lot of people's health protocols or like whatever they're doing. And the, the situation that we are living in today as I'm sure you've had people come on and talk about like the toxic load, the environmental toxin stuff that's going on. I mean, the st- statistically, it's like, you know, since World War II, over like 150,000 toxins have been inv- introduced into our environment. Research is showing us now that like our body encounters like two pounds of toxins every day type of stuff that's going on. And it's so fascinating because I've talked to traditionally trained um, health, you know, experts, health care types of people. And they go, well, yeah, but why do we need detox support? Because our liver, we have these detox organs, which is true. And the rate at which the toxins have been coming into our environment has superseded our ability to actually evolve, like at that rate, right? So because humans live a longer lifespan, the evolution of changes in the body take longer to occur. So you know, animals or organisms that have shorter lifespans, they evolve and adapt to the environment much faster. But the rate at which these toxins have been introduced, which has been very fast paced, our body has not actually had time to like evolve from an evolutionary standpoint to be able to handle those things. So there is a tremendous load that's on our liver, not only from an environmental standpoint, but as you talk about a lot, like, you know, the carbs and the sugars. I mean, we, the standard American diet highly emphasizes carbs and sugars and the body can only tolerate so much of that. We see like this dietary approach that we've been conditioned to think is right from our government, from whoever actually is what creates these scenarios of insulin resistance and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. I mean, I, work with like people that from the outside look healthy. They're not obese. They don't look diabetic. They're exercising. They're doing things, but they actually have like non-fatty liver disease going on because they've been consuming too many carbs and sugars for what their body can tolerate because that's what they've been conditioned to think is the right type of diet for them. So there's like multiple like layers of things that are going on that result in liver dysfunction and And we have things like mold, right? And so the liver is so important for helping us to, you know, process, like you said, it's the soccer mom. It does all the things like it helps us to, it helps us to convert hormones like thyroid and it helps us to get rid of excess hormones like estrogen. And it helps us to detox and like convert like glucose and glycogen and like all this stuff that it has to do. It it needs some extra special attention from us to feel our best.
0: We need to love the liver. So how how do we love this liver of ours? What are some of your favorite ways to do so, practical ways to do it?
1: Yeah, well, practically is like, you know, from an external standpoint, how can we reduce the load? So, you know, we look at like the concept of reducing our exposure to toxins. Again, it can feel really overwhelming. So I like to help people prioritize that, like there's different phases to move through. So like phase one or priority number one is anything that goes in your body. So when you're eating something that's toxic, it directly impacts the liver, probably has some of the highest impact on it. So like simplest step, eat organic, you know, let's minimize those toxic exposures from food. Then you can look, okay, what are the things that go on my body would be like priority number two. So your skincare products, because ultimately that gets absorbed through the skin, the liver metabolizes it. And so again, direct hit to the liver and the body. So let's then make that the next priority. And then the third thing, which is like a really big thing is like all the the environmental stuff, like air quality, house cleaning products, like all the things related to detergents, all those types of things, right? So I would say like the process of toxin elimination is a progressive process that that happens over a period of time. And I've been doing this for a long time and it's still in some ways a work in progress. You know, like the next time I remodel my house, I'm going to be thinking about it in a whole different way and looking at what are non-toxic materials that we can choose from, or we're at this point where we needed to to get a new couch. So I'm gonna be looking at what's a non-toxic you know, fabric couch that I can get to like minimize those toxin exposures so it's this progressive thing that we do essentially so minimizing the load in these ways and then how can we support the liver in its process. So things like, you know, maybe just a liver support supplement, something with like dandelion root, milk thistle, like some of those herbs, um, n cysteine, NAC, that's going to support detox path- pathways and glutathione recycling is also really great. Um, from a food perspective, eating, like incorporating things like beets or dandelion greens or lemons or grapefruits as that fits into the right diet for you. So how does that fit into your carbs for the day, like balancing those things? Um, Something as simple as like drinking a cup of dandelion tea every single day can help support the liver in its work. So there's a lot of just simple steps that we can do. And the last thing that I'll mention is the sleep thing again, because our liver does its deepest detox work at nighttime, approximately between the hours of one and three. So we want to be sleeping during that time to allow it to do that work. If we're getting disrupted sleep during that window, it's negatively impacting the liver's ability to like do its job, essentially.
0: Good point. Yeah, that's where uh, Chinese medicine. That's why they call it liver time, right? And that's that's a clue, right? If somebody wakes up consistently between one and three a.m. Could point towards your liver uh, congestion of your liver so doing some things that you suggested removing the interference and then adding so that's the first step to remove and then to add in would be the second step but yeah like you said you you might be on like chapter 15 of this progression somebody listening or watching might be on chapter one so you know just start where you're at and then build from there um, you'll learn and grow as you continue to evolve that's what it's all about don't compare your chapter one to Jen's chapter five or whatever it is. That's a very important lesson that I've learned over the years. I want to ask you, where is the best place for the keto campers watching and listening to follow you, to check you out, to learn about your work?
1: Yeah, I'm super active over on Instagram. It's my favorite platform to share information, like all the stuff that we've been talking about today, stuff that I love to talk about regularly over there i often am giving away things like a toxins checklist to help you evaluate your environment like we were talking about today. And then once you evaluate that, you can prioritize, okay, I'm going to start knocking things off the list and addressing some of these toxins that are going on um, in the environment. So that's a great place to come over, connect with me, send me messages, ask me questions about anything that we talked about today. Um, you can also find me on my website, holistichealthboss.com. And holistic is spelled with a W, just like Whole Foods.
0: Yes, holistic. What is your uh, Instagram handle?
1: Um, it's Holistic Health Boss as well too.
0: Perfect. We'll put that down below. If you're watching on YouTube, down below if you're listening on the podcast, podcast notes. Final question is we didn't mention this supplement, but I think it's very important. It's my favorite vitamin in the world, vitamin G, gratitude. And I want to ask you, what are you grateful for today, Jen?
1: I am so grateful for getting this moment to reflect on the health journey stuff because you know, as I talk about with clients, as you achieved, you know, different. Um, levels of your health it's you forget about how bad you used to feel right and so it's so important to take these moments to go to acknowledge yourself for like wow I've done a lot of work and I'm in this better place so thank you Ben for giving me this opportunity to share my story and hopefully encourage others to look at like you know wherever you're at today you probably have come a long way too and maybe there's more to go but that's okay too you know, and just like acknowledge yourself for the things that you are doing. And then look for those opportunities to do to just better support yourself to feel like your best self.
0: Well said. Uh, and it's, you're right. It's because it's, I share my story a lot too. I get asked about my story. And every, every time I share, there's like a piece that, I forgot about that. Like when I share it this time, I remembered it. Do you feel the same way when you were asked your story? Is there pieces to it that you forget sometimes to mention?
1: Totally. Yes.
0: And it's cool. <laughs> it is cool to kind of go back and reflect. So I'm glad we gave you that opportunity. And it's very inspiring. You know, if Jen could do it. Anybody could do it. And go check out Jen's work. We'll put your website below. We'll put your social media down below. And uh, I've got vitamin G for you. I can't wait to see you in person so we can officially give each other some good oxytocin hugs.
1: I would love that. I'm sure we'll be at some events together coming up soon for the new
0: year. We will. Thank you so much, Jen, for coming on the show.
1: Thank you.
0: Well, that was an awesome conversation. I hope that puts together a lot of the pieces to your puzzle for health. If you want to learn more about Jen and get that free toxin checklist, we'll drop that link down below. We'll put her social media and her website down below as well. If you want to watch the video interview with Jen and all my guests, that could be found on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash KetoCamp. We'll drop that link down below. Please consider leaving the show a rating and review. Text this to somebody, post it on social media. This is a very important episode. If you want to be in my 90-day detox program that is starting tomorrow, we have three spots left. Head over to KetoCampDetox.com and learn about it. And hopefully I can guide you for detox for the next 90 days. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with Jen and myself. I'll see you on the next episode.